Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex. The title of today's show is Check the Car for Damage. That's supplied by Tom the Falcon on Twitter. I'm your host, Richard Reddy, but my friends call me Spanners, so let's be friends. Welcome to the British Grand Prix Race Review. F1 is good on proper tracks, isn't it? Hope you didn't write off these regulations after half a dozen street tracks or so. There was really something for everyone. There was great drivers pushing all race long on an amazing circuit. There was proper drama on the team radio between teammates. And for you adrenaline monkeys that need danger injected into your veins. Yeah, you got that too. So we'll discuss why Silverstone is the greatest ever racetrack. No, you have a national bias. Uh, We'll discuss who was at fault for turn one. We'll say who could have won this race because there was a few contenders. And what does this mean for the title going forward? We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm joined in the shed by Matt Two-Rumpets. Rather be lucky than good. <laughs> by Alex Jeansy Van Jean. From my new office. Fantastic. And from uh, from the north, Ellen Ellard joins us. Indifferent about being here, would rather be in a field near Northampton. Celebrating pub style. Well, I'm glad you could drag yourself into the shed to say hello to us um let's start with why silverstone really just seems to hit home and provide good racing every time van jean we could get accused of being uh, having british bias i would say this about other tracks around the world but silverstone just seems to deliver it's because it's got lots of fast flowing corners that 
go from that that lead into each other so you can take the inside into one corner but then on the outside for another corner you then got long straights into a corner where it's not a dead stop so you can throw up the inside or get them on the outside it's just got this incredible mix and it's just fast and it's flowing and it's exciting and i think you could put this track anywhere in the world and it would be amazing So for me, I think the key, one of the key things here is that the track itself is wide enough for the modern Formula One car. And everything that Alex just said is true. But if you've got a narrow track, it doesn't really apply so much because a lot of the tracks came about when the cars were much narrower. The other thing for me that I love about this track is how much energy gets put through the tires. Managing the tires and dealing with them is always going to have your team on edge from a strategy point of view, and you oftentimes will get interesting results because of that. It's also super smooth all over the track. The whole surface across from, from right to left of the, of the track is super smooth, so you can go offline. And talking about going offline, there are multiple lines yeah. for multiple corners, yeah. which means the, a lot of the track stays clean and doesn't get full of um, debris and, and marbles and such, so you can go offline and not lose any time. Yeah, I just I love the choices the drivers were having to make. So if it doesn't work into into Brooklands after that first DRS zone, you know, do you keep your, your nose in and try and stay side-by-side side into the long right-hander of Luffield, or, or do you kind of give up and go wide? And, and we saw on like loads of occasions people taking very different lines into, into Luffield, for example, very narrow. We had some people kind of Ving it and giving it two apexes, and some people just wall of deathing it around the outside, Alex. And it's like, wow, there are options here. And on so many tracks, if you go off the racing line, you know, that, that's it. You're, you're not going to get another chance. And I think what you said about linking the corners together is important as well. You know, on a 90-degree street circuit the move is either done or not done and then it's over whereas so many times here you go wait oh he's got it he's got the move done oh oh, hang on now he's immediately vulnerable again and and i think this track the new regulations being able to follow a little bit this was the culmination that said yeah things are looking good well i mean we saw what could be two moves of the season today from one corner to the next we saw lewis hamilton go around the outside of luffield to then have Leclerc go too wide round the outside no, of cops. No, Alex, that's impossible. Horner said last year no one ever overtakes <laughs> at cops. Ellen, it's everything you've just said there links together as creating just great racing. You know those yeah. linking corners, the way you don't really know what's going to happen next, and that is so so exciting. And that is why the fans absolutely flock to Silverstone. What was it, four hundred thousand yeah. over the course of the weekend? It is insane. I was there last year and it was unbelievable. And I was looking at the fans and I was like, because it wasn't full last year. This is the first post-COVID full, no restrictions, just everyone going wild. And you could tell the fans are so happy to be there. I don't think we hear that kind of noise from anywhere else around the whole track. You know, you look at Austria, obviously Austria always attracts a crowd. So much noise there in the grandstands. But to that extent, across the whole track, I don't think we see that anywhere else. And that is why it is so, so good to watch. And I would have loved to be there this weekend. You know, I was thinking, I was like, oh, last year was so good. It was unbelievable racing. Mm. And actually, I think today might have just topped that. I and it was just a, like, yeah. oh, I, I, got would, a lot of I would have loved to be there. I got a lot yeah. of FOMO oh, today. Absolutely. Yeah. Just everyone, all the video. And I loved that from the Sky broadcast, it just like encapsulated that as well. Like all the footage of all the fans <laughs> making the noise and the drivers getting off. We didn't see that last year. They weren't allowed to go up to the fans. The drivers going 
<laughs> to the fans and being able to like interact with them was okay. just incredible. Yeah, yeah, the coverage has really come on, Ellen. But um, <laughs> I, I did wonder whether the the crowd noise had somehow been amplified or whatever. But when I had, you know, we had videos from from Brad and from Tony who'd sent this stuff, and you go, no, wow, the atmosphere was absolutely wild there. You've got to think like these cars are so loud as well. And they're, you, you're watching the stream and you can hear the fans like, you know, you can hear them disappointed when a move doesn't come off. You could hear them screaming and supporting whenever Lewis made a move. And it, that is like the main yeah. thing. It just really like yeah. yeah puts you into the zone. And oh, it was so, so good. And I think, like I said, I don't think anywhere attracts fans no, quite this... as noisily or as rowdy. Like obviously like as Silverstone, <laughs> like the fans are rowdy. They're there, they're camping. I've seen all the social media stuff for the weekend. People making like proper weekends of it camping it is a festival at Silverstone a festival of Silverstone yeah I think maybe um Zandvoort will start competing with it and perhaps Monza as well but it was um, it did seem like it was something a little bit special there um so let's get into the race action I'm absolutely delighted that we immediately get to play a game whose fault is it okay let me remind some of you of the rules before anybody gets funny with me about racing incidents and such like. Okay, so when we play Whose Fault Is It, it is who is primarily at fault. So someone is always to blame. I don't like settling that it's just a racing incident and then hand-waving it away because this is our opportunity to go into the mechanics of racing, what it's like to be a, a driver, decisions they have to make and how the rules are applied. So obviously a huge incident into turn one. Most people were watching Lewis Hamilton's progress with the front two, I think. Verstappen had got that move done very early on the soft tyres and he looked like he was gone. And then in the background, an upside down on the halo car goes flying from left to right um, out through village. And you think, what on earth has happened there? A spinning car behind it. And then that was only the beginning. Then suddenly you start seeing the carnage of uh, a Williams with no nose. You see Sonoda with, uh, with, a, with a missing wheel and, and an Ocon as well with, with a wheel that was coming off the drum. And think, what on earth has happened here? And of course, we didn't get to see the replays for a long time, Matt. And this is what you start to worry when you're not getting information and you're not getting confirmation. So we were counting down. Okay, they've said Albon's okay. They've said Snowden's okay. It was a long, long time before we heard anything about Wan Yu Zhou. Yeah, it was. In fact, I think it was enterprising journalists going back and looking at onboards. It gave us our first hints as to what had happened. But it was, it was a long wait to see actual video. I mean, it was more than half an hour. And anytime something takes that long... It's scary in motorsports because once you once you've seen it once, you know what that portends. I mean, it was longer than it took to see results from the Grosjean crash, you know, and that's the biggest crash I've seen in God knows how many years of Formula One. Um, but yeah, that was scary just to all of a sudden see a car spinning like a top while traveling upside down and then disappear off the screen i didn't care what was then going on all my attention just went straight to who was it what's going on are they all right and then you see george russell out of his car running across the track to go and to go and see what happened it was it was scary and i hate those moments you've got to think like being there in the crowd as well because it happened so close to where the crowd was i remember last year i was on cops when verstappen came off and i felt was filming the overtake 
and then you've got this footage in your hand and you're like, do I post that on social media? Because at that point it wasn't as big a crash, but the G-force was still huge. And you're thinking Verstappen at that point hadn't got out of the car. So I've got this footage there. And I was Mm. like, am I posting this on social media to say there's been a crash? And that's why I was searching through and I was thinking, you know what, if people aren't posting it straight away, it's because the people in the grandstand are equally worried as everyone watching at home. No, I, I kind of agree that we've got um, we've got Tomato in there saying that they were criticised for showing the Grosjean replay so quickly. So I think I think it is right. Let's find out if the drivers are okay and then show the replays. But that doesn't change the fact that we were sat there worried. But the incident itself was scary. It was right on top of the crowd. So they'd gone all the way through the gravel. And Alex, this is this is one of the big arguments against gravel, isn't it? Is, is how it flips the cars. I've, it's been a long time since I've seen a car leave leave the track. I think the last time was probably Macau, and I can't remember who that was. But um, Sophia Flores, yes, and just left the track and like went into a catch net next to a oh, building. Oh god, yeah, forgot yeah. about that one. Yeah. And the Fernando Alonso one. Did he leave the track? That was Melbourne. Oh, yeah, you know what so I mean. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, fine. I get what you mean. Yeah, no, I've, I, I don't think I've ever seen a Formula One car leave the track, especially in the modern era. You know, mm. I know cars went in the harbour back in the old days with Formula One, but. Um, since the modern stuff, I, ha- I haven't seen that. And it was just, I mean, when we initially saw it, we didn't see him leave the no, track. We just no. saw we just saw it go across the screen and disappear. Um, but, I mean, I'd love to know how he was feeling during that because if you saw pictures of the car after the crash and it was on the flatbed lorry, the whole, from the, from the halo down, the whole car is just flat. Yes, yeah, it certainly was. And then um, I, I've bemoaned when I've been at the track, I've gone, oh, these 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 fences really kind of ruin the view because everything's got this diamond hash in you and all your videos are ruined by the fencing. I, I, I bet the people were very pleased the fencing was there. You saw people running up the stands. But look, thankfully, he's okay. It's a testament to how great these modern cars are. I think with the Verstappen shunt, cars that are on all four wheels tend to do pretty well and we tend to be reasonably relaxed about those crashes these days um but yeah a car upside down flipping over the barriers um with a driver getting out sprinting to go and see how his colleague is is um was very worrying indeed but it doesn't mean we can't apportion blame just because it was a near tragedy doesn't mean we can't have a little fun with it can we so who's got an opinion on whose fault that melee was who wants to wade in matt I will, because everybody else has been very wrong about this. Okay, okay. Cool. After a lengthy video review, I, I was finally able to find the overhead shot that I wanted. And it convinced me that Russell was already closing that gap before Gasly's front wheel arrived in it. And I'm going to support that by saying that the fact that he tried to back out of it so quickly indicates that he didn't realize it at first, but he knew immediately he'd he'd made kind of, in racing terms, a bit of a big boo-boo driving to what they call the disappearing wedge. Okay, and Alex, I know I think you felt that Gasly was being a bit ambitious. From the views I've seen, it looks like Gasly is in the hole and then George comes across. If the view that Matt has seen shows different, then I do agree with Matt. But let's say... Gasly was in that gap um, and George closed it. George had already just been overtaken after a bad start by Latifi. Latifi, yeah. Um, Latifi's only overtaken. I see you hesitating. Um, Overtaken by Latifi? Latifi? No, no, it was, it was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I would instantly, if I was in George's position, I would instantly have gone to close that gap, which is what George done. If I was in Gasly's position, the last thing I'd want to do 
is try and drive between two slow cars that have already just been overtaken to a wedge that is going to disappear. So if from my view that I saw, it's on George because he closed the door, but it was really, really dumb of Gasly to go for that gap. But if what Matt saw is correct and and George was already closing the gap, then I go with Matt. Well, actually, you've brought up the third possibility, and that's Latifi, because when he went past yeah, it was Russell. Latifi's fault. When he went past Russell, there was a little bit of a wiggle to the right that forced Russell to accommodate Latifi's pass. Just the tiniest bit, but you can see Russell's car change direction from above. Yeah. And as soon as he was passed, he immediately went back to his prior path. And that was right when Gasly was accelerating to try and follow him through. So, I mean, when I talk about it's a fine distinction, it's a very fine distinction. I'm not saying anyone was being particularly wrong here, but if I look at it in absolute terms, I still say it was Gasly driving into a gap that was going to disappear. And that had already been set by Russell before his tire got there. Okay. Well, I'm surprised then. I I didn't think I was going to be on my own uh, with this, but I think that is a, it was a hundred percent on, on George Russell. He's starting 10th. He's on hard tyres, and if you look at the advantage that Verstappen had at the front as the only soft runner, I think, basically got, you know, eight metres ahead of Sainz. He didn't have a particularly shocking start. Everyone else kind of funnelled in behind him. Um, Russell's on hard tyres. He knows that's going to cost him at the start. He's already seen Latifi go past him. He knows he's bogged down. I'm assuming F1 drivers are good enough to know when they've not had a good start. So essentially what you're doing is you are now behaving abnormally. This is almost like a rejoin when you come off track. If you're slow and Latifi's already gone past you, then you know the rest of the pack is coming through. You can't then go around swerving. I don't think it's reasonable to say Gasly should have slowed down and waited for Russell to recover from his bad start. Gasly, there was a gap. He went into it. He was there. Russell turned into him and caused that accident. Alex? It was, what you remember, by the time Gasly got to them, it was getting very near the turning point for the corner. Um, So at that point, you know other drivers are going to be positioning positioning themselves to get themselves ready for the corner. And I just, and and I'm not saying... They have to wait for George to recover from his bad Seems start. To be what that's, saying. That's, that's, that's um that's, oh, unlucky that's, George. That's on you go. To, on you go. I'll that's, wait. That's, I'll try, wait. That's trying to put him in a that's trying to put him <laughs> and um Joe in a bad light because they got mm. bad starts. If you are in the pack, and we do this in our missed apex events, you don't just aim your car for a gap when someone is slow. Because if I'm slow off a start, I'm moving to the left or I'm moving over so someone can't get through me. Um, And Gasly was very, very optimistic that he was going to make it. I hear what you're saying. In my head, though, I'll stick with, I I feel like it was, you know, you bog down and you go, I've already lost that one. I'm not losing out again. It felt like another Imola type rush of blood. And he closed the door thinking he could make it. But, but Gasly was was already there, and I I, don't, I just don't think it's reasonable to ex- expect the pack behind to to slow down and wait. Ellen, last one on this, maybe. I, I think it's very hard to apportion blame to more the like to one side more than the well, other. Try. And I, the no, whole I know. Point of the well, no, set. I end it because you should just agree is, with me here. <laughs> so we have them outnumbered. I, I, do you know, I do agree with though. No, I do agree with Damn. you, um, trumpets. But I also do think that this is. <laughs> he's done it. He's made me agree with him. <laughs> um, I do like think that to some extent, 
we've seen this move from George before. We've seen him try and close the door and it happens so, so quickly. And this is the start of the race. And like you say, it is so close to that first corner that I just think when the adrenaline's there, you knew as soon as Gazi got himself in that position, he knew it was a mistake because he tried to pull out of it. And I just think the timings were so, so close, obviously between what Matt has seen from above. You do think like that, that happened within such a small period. Do the drivers really know that that has happened that quickly? I do think George closed the door, but I do think Gazi put himself out there in and was probably a bit optimistic about making that move in the first place. I think the only little thing I'd add to that is if that was Stroll, we'd all be saying, why aren't you looking in his, why aren't you looking in your mirrors and seeing there's a, there's a car there? I mean, but this is what I'm saying with that George has made these moves before. All right. Let's move on to the racing action. What I suggest we do, Matt, is we skip to after the safety car, because that was kind of the, the culmination of, of all the excitement in the race. And then from that, we can go back and see how, we, how they got there and then go through you know, the, the, how the race went for various teams. I don't think this is going to be a race review where we get all the way down to like, oh, Sainz versus, uh, not, sorry, um, Stroll versus Ricardo for 14th. I don't think we're going to get as far as that. I think we are going to be in and around the kind of Sainz um, area. And I think that's probably where we start. The, the safety car coming in, gave us a real window into the Ferrari drivers and their teams and the orders that were coming through. It was, it was fascinating psychology. It was. And, you know, I have so many things that I want to say. I'm, I'm actually struggling to put them into order, but let's say start... them all at once really quickly. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Now let's start with the obvious thing, which is we have a dying car of Alcon slowing. Down the straight, we have Ferrari essentially uh, telling Leclerc as he makes the turn to come towards the pit lane that that the safety the safety car window is closed. And what they mean by that at that point is that Hamilton is six seconds back of him on tires that are less than five laps old, and it's nine seconds minimum to get Leclerc through the pits, even though his tires are much older. So Ferrari does the standard thing. We're going to keep you in first place, even though you've got older tires. And we're going to make Mercedes decide whether or not to swap tires for Hamilton. And because we have two Ferraris back to back, we will bring in signs to cover off Hamilton in case he does swap to the tires. And that set up the fantastic end of the race that we saw. I, I think, yeah, if we're starting with the Leclerc decision, surely there's no one defending that. That's the, the only time I've heard someone defending any possible logic for the Ferrari decision. Surely it's Silverstone with eight laps left. You don't choose track position over fresh tyres, Alex. Absolutely not. And especially when Max has had a bad race with a broken car and is way back in the pack, you want Leclerc, who is your man for the championship, to get as many, many points as possible. It doesn't matter. I'm sorry, Carlos. I like you. But it doesn't matter if you double stack the cars and Carlos loses a couple of seconds. You have to get Leclerc out yeah. there on the right tyre for the right time. And they didn't do that. And instead of gaining 20-odd points on Max today, he's gained 
How many points has he gained on Max today? Less than that. So 20 minus, that. minus nine. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yeah. So, you know... Um, oh, no, it's yeah, more, they've, more they've, than that. So, yeah, yeah, minus more it's than a that. Bi- so. it's, a, it's a big mm. drop. So, yeah. um, you know, and then they would then, then they tried to make up for it by telling Sainz to drop 10 car lengths back. And, and Carlos was right to not go for that. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of there's lots of things to unpack on this one. There is so much to unpack. It's just another sort of bad decisions from Ferrari. And once again, the drivers are disagreeing with what's being said on the pit wall. This has happened so many times now that the drivers are like, the strategy team's like, right, let's do X, Y, Z. The drivers are like, absolutely not. It happened in Monaco. It happens so many times. Why did you do that? It's it's once again, we're seeing the, it's not, it shouldn't be the driver's decision to make. In reality, it's that that's the strategy team is that I mean, I don't know. That's that's probably the harsh. That's probably a harsh thing to say. No, the, it's the not. Be, but the, the the strategy they shouldn't be so regularly disagreeing with the strategy team, and it just doesn't make sense. That Ellen, don't it's you... Carlos Sainz and Leclerc making these decisions mm. when there's a, a strategy team there who who aren't making the right decisions. Don't, don't you remember like Sebastian Vettel as well in his Ferrari stint? They were going, why is he making all the calls from within the car? And and so it's, I don't think that's a unique situation. I think that's part of the job spec for a Ferrari driver. But it, it's it, in, in some way, the drivers should always have some form of ability to make decisions but it shouldn't be this regularly and it shouldn't be the fact that they're constantly making bad calls that impact what should be their championship challenging driver and see this is where it gets interesting if i'm just looking at the standard racecraft decision no ferrari was right they should have kept leclerc out they should have pitted signs to cover off hamilton they got the team result they wanted ferrari wins ta-da but if I'm Leclerc, I feel extremely hard done by because I wasn't given, they didn't tell me, look, we can put you on good tires, but you might be behind Hamilton and you might have to pass him on track. He was never given that option. And that to me is a driver's choice option. And if they were really on it, they, they would have said, you will have the Delta on the soft tire to get around Hamilton. We're bringing you in even if you lose position. And that would have been the best call of all. They must run these these drills, though. They must say, like, in these scenarios, you've all got the same tyres. If you pit four softs and your competitor stays out four hards, you will have a soft tyre, and it's a track like Silverstone or Bahrain where you can get past. That's this seems like the no-brainer choice. They must drill for that kind of decision. If Hamilton behind also pits for softs, you have track position and equal tyres. I, I don't see any way where that you go oh stay on your old tires and don't worry if the guys behind you go on softs and then get closed up in the safety car just deal with it that you know let's let's call this what it is it's yet another ferrari strategy error in the in in the moment i don't is that unfair alex am i being unfair you tell me am i being unfair no i think you're spot on um from my armchair from my seat no but you know what it it it's easy for us to look at look at and criticise, but they do it so often, you know. And I think it's a big lack of trust from the drivers to the pit wall. It's a case of is that the right decision to make? Um, and again, they should have gone with their driver who is leading the way in the team's championship, considering the main rival was yeah. out. That that is it. Listen, uh, Carlos Sainz did a great job today, 
But he wasn't quicker than Charles, who had a broken car. He made a critical mistake that cost him the race lead. He only got back due to the issues that um, Max was having. Um, so Leclerc was the better Ferrari driver today, and they should have treated him like such. I think, I, I, I'm sure we'll talk about it later as well, but it was the finger wagging from Bonotto at the end when Leclerc was walking through. And he went off afterwards and said to Sky that it was... He was just encouraging him and trying to cheer him up. And then Jensen Button said, no friend has ever tried to cheer me up by wagging their finger at me. And I thought that was really interesting because that relationship, that just seems really disjointed. And I'm not really sure, you know, we see with, I think, I'm not sure we've seen it to the same extent. I think just because of where we are in the season, we haven't seen it as much. And obviously Mercedes position, we haven't seen sort of that you know, used to see Toto come out and sort of like father and like be that big figure and everyone's hugging and, you know, you see it with Red Bull. But just don't see that as much. And I think that might come back to the trusting, but I don't think anyone is saying that Bonotto was there going, oh yeah, that's, you know, trying to cheer him up. That was not the tone at all. And that just seemed really jarring and not, even though, you know, yeah, he dropped, I don't know what he's trying to stop him from saying. Is he trying to stop him from going off and saying that there was a strategy problem? But then why should you have to need to do that? Why should you your first thing be as a team principal to go over to your driver and be like, you cannot now go and sag us off to the press. You can't go and say, oh, yeah, you, we messed up with strategy. Why is he having to make that call and go down and say that to him? He should be given the right to go and criticise the team to try and make it yeah. better. Matt, good points. Well, I think because Ferrari is going to Ferrari, but more importantly, all the teams have people, minders, for the drivers, and they have briefings about what they should and shouldn't say in the press. And I think Bonato correctly picked up on Leclerc's mood, which was extremely aggrieved and was just remonstrating with him. Like, look, we will sort this out. We know you feel hard done by. But remember, you drive for Ferrari. Ferrari doesn't exist for you to win a championship. And uh, that has been... That has always been Ferrari, as long as I have known them. They are more important than any other single driver. And they're not the only team that has that approach. Yeah, but the funniest thing is they spent most of that race trying to hand the race to Leclerc. They really did. And they failed to do it. So I don't know. Maybe they should... They should uh... I'd let it play out. I don't know. I don't know, Matt. It's the fact is that every turn they tried to get that swap on, and in the end, it didn't happen. The amazing thing to me, because to me, the original sin of the Ferrari strategy department was much earlier than this. And I'll just mention it briefly. We don't have to talk about it. But back when they pitted Leclerc out from between um, Sainz and Hamilton, uh, or they didn't, they pitted Sainz out of the lead. They should have pitted Leclerc out. They should have gone on the radio, told Carlos, look, he's, he's, he's vulnerable to the undercut. Normally, you'd get pit preference, but we're going we're gonna to pit him first. If they'd done that, well, Leclerc would have won the race. This should have been over much, much earlier than that. The second, Leclerc, the second Max was out of the picture and Leclerc drove straight up to the back of science, it should have been, sorry, Carlos, yeah. out of the way, mate. Um, you know, I, again, I'm... Uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of Carlos, but he's not in this championship, and 
he needed to get out That's of the way. Hurt. I can see that hurting, Matt. I can see that hurting, Matt. Ellen? I was going to say that when they make the decisions, when they finally make the decisions, if they are the right decisions, they're making them 10 laps too late. So it's they need to be more decisive with when they're choosing to make these calls. Yeah. Okay, Matt, you go. Right. And the only thing I want to bring up about that is that no one is bringing up as part of this discussion yet the fact that Leclerc had damage and he was benefiting, I think, to a certain extent from being in the DRS of Carlos Sainz. So, yes, absolutely, this is true. Go on, go on, quick, quick counter. points of downforce. He, he pulled, once he got past, once he got past Carlos, he dropped him by about three seconds. Carlos pitted. Did he not? No, he let him by. You're right. You're yeah. correct. Um, but at that point, his tires were gone. We don't really know the delta between the two of them exactly. But what we do know is that when science came out behind him in, in the pit sequence, that, that Leclerc wasn't really getting away from him in, in the way that you would have expected had there been a significant Delta, what I was seeing, honestly, was that Sainz was about two laps behind where Ferrari wanted him to be on pace. Mm. Okay, look, Sainz won the Grand Prix today. It's a great result for him. He is definitely good enough to have won a Grand Prix. And you're all laughing because you know it it means I'm about to to sort of be a little bit negative. He's definitely good enough to have won a Grand Prix. Ferrari have their favourites. Look how uh, the, the balance of performance between Leclerc and Vettel changed. Something changed. It was, I think it was after, maybe after Brazil, there was some point where Vettel fell out of favour and then all of a sudden Leclerc was, had better pace. Ferrari know what they're doing. Ferrari give preference to a driver, a preference of setup, preference of car, preference of parts. Leclerc is the chosen one right now. So I'm not saying the pace difference between Sainz and Leclerc is necessarily talent. It, it could well be differences in, in strategy, setup and parts. However, everything on the radio, everything in the race today told you that Carlos Sainz is the number two driver. He was told to get out of the way a lot of times. There was a significant kind of begging and like, oh, I'm not going to. Um, and then they gave him deltas to meet that were just out of reach conveniently. And whilst he was trying to make those deltas, he had Leclerc shoving it up the inside and not giving him any real chance to to meet those deltas. And it, it sounded like the whole time Ferrari were just kind of trying to placate signs and trying to justify what they were doing until finally at the safety car, they tell him, with a chance of winning the British Grand Prix, his first ever Grand Prix with new soft tyres against old hard tyres, they tell him to leave a 10-pace gap to Leclerc. When he's on the verge of winning a Grand Prix, he's been leading a lot. And this is why he starts saying, no, stop, stop inventing reasons. Ah, but we need to save him. We need to have the pressure off from behind. And he's like, no, I'm under pressure. Stop inventing. He's basically, he's accusing his team on the team radio, his team of making up reasons why he needs Leclerc to win. And, and he then goes and basically, Matt, ignores those team orders and goes to win. He has won today, but that war with his place in Ferrari may have taken a dent. Maybe, maybe not. For me, what that absolutely is, is you could say Leclerc was perhaps the faster driver today. Maybe Verstappen was too. Possibly even Hamilton. But there's no way in that Ferrari that Leclerc was the better driver today because when it was all on the line, Carlos Sainz had the stuff to say to his team, you are completely wrong. 
I'm going to ignore you, and I'm going to go win this race. And that's exactly what he did. To be clear, didn't say who was the better driver. I was, uh, you know, talking about their pecking order in Ferrari. Alex? He definitely took things by the scruff of the neck because for the second restart, he was not letting Max have an inch of space. It was the way good. he squeezed him yeah, before turn one was brilliant, making yeah. Max have Ooh, to take some grass. Yes. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about this because if some more people are like, oh, it's borderline. It's like, no, it, you are not obliged. And I think this is where people get confused. You're not obliged to go and take up the racing line and give someone space. If Sainz had just wanted to stay narrow and not move out to the racing line at all, Verstappen's just got to deal with that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so that was that was fantastic. And then Charles Leclerc made his own problem by trying to make a ridiculous move diving up the inside of Perez into the loop. Rude. And and which which ruined his front wing. I mean, imagine how much quicker Leclerc <laughs> would have been yeah. would have been today without that front wing. We wouldn't be having this discussion because he'd have been miles up the road. Um but also when you talk about they were giving Carlos deltas to meet, um they then told Leclerc, the Delta, and he went, that's not fast enough. Yeah. So you had Leclerc playing the game of, well, you're giving him a time to go quicker to. I can go even faster than that. So he needs to get out of my way. Um, so I just don't think there was any harmony in the strategy between that yeah. team today. Carlos was, all Carlos saw was, this is my chance to win a Grand Prix. I'm going to do whatever I can. Mm. You had Leclerc going, Max is miles behind. I really, really need the points. And Ferrari going, how do I not upset both of my drivers but also get the result we want? Right. And I would only disagree with you to the extent of when he was explicitly told to let Leclerc through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Signs absolutely let him through and he made no fuss whatsoever about it. They just You need to be careful if you're a Ferrari driver. They've, they've shelved and belittled better drivers than Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc, or should I say more high-profile drivers. They made Raikkonen and Massa into number two stooges. They dumped Vettel when it suited them as well. Uh, maybe the usher Alonso, encouraged him towards the door a little bit as well. So you don't want to get on the wrong side of, of, of Ferrari. You do have to play the game for a certain, uh, to a certain extent. Alex, last bit before we move on. And maybe that's why Carlos is trying to be a little bit firm. And doesn't want to be bullied. All right. Let's go uh, down the grid a bit. I suppose the the next uh, point down there is is actually Perez, who ended up a a very unlucky second place. And you might think that as a Perez fan, I would be celebrating that second place. And, you know, good for him. He's, He's showing his performance. I am happy with that. But Perez was a Perez was a menace today. It was a very un-Perez-like drive when we got into that really racy battle between Leclerc, Hamilton, and and Perez. I think the first thing to do, Alex, is to celebrate that as some of the best racing we've seen in F1 for a, a while. It's, that was that was so so good to watch. It had everything, and uh, yeah, and, and we really got an insight into the characters and the approach of those three drivers. I didn't sit down for those last ten laps. Um, I also definitely think Perez was buoyed because he went out for dinner on Thursday night and got to meet two of the Missed Apex panel. Um, so I think that definitely buoyed him. Okay, okay. You really uh, want to... You're, you're proud of <laughs> you stalking Sergio Perez. <laughs> Technically, we weren't stalking Sergio Perez. We were stalking the, the Sky crew. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it ended up it ended up being Sergio Perez. But, okay. Um, 
what was what was interesting from that is first of all i'm very surprised an elite athlete will go for a curry the week the day before practice starts because that is not the food you want to have um before <laughs> because if it goes wrong it goes wrong okay um, but also he had a very taped up neck oh don't okay yeah so i don't know if that's just something he does as his preparation for each race or he went in was it colorful was it colorful it wasn't actually. It was. It was neutral tone. Oh, that's is it okay? Just, I wonder. I wonder. I don't want to get too deep into this, but it might be kinesio tape, which a lot of athletes unfortunately fall for, and is a bit is a bit pointless and rubbish. But when we talk about that that battle, it was Perez uncharacteristically massively with elbows out. I think Lewis Hamilton actually a little bit cautious, and Leclerc a gameful try, but just didn't have the the grip to fight as much as he wanted. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The way I called this when the safety car was out was, holy crap, Perez can win this race. And that was the way yeah. I saw it, which was because that that Red Bull is the fastest car out there. Um, you have a very motivated Perez who had worked his way through the field brilliantly, very quietly, but very brilliantly to get himself into that position. He's like, I can win this. And he went guns blazing. Yeah. Um, Lewis Hamilton got a bad exit to the start of the start of the first lap without the safety car, which is what put Perez on him and then passed him. Um, we then saw this incredible melee into the final section, into the final chicanes, where Perez went through, went off, Lewis took both of them, then they both got him back. It was absolutely phenomenal. And everybody left space. Okay, there was a tiny Ooh, bit of no, there was a <laughs> tiny bit of shoving off the circuit. Perez definitely shoved Lewis off the circuit, but Lewis shoved the Clare off in the first start anyway. Um, and they seem to just allow it today. Everyone yeah. got away with it. No one got any penalties. I mean, Fernando Alonso was expecting like 12 penalties from cars in front because he just saw everyone shoving each other off. Mm. And it's what he got a penalty for in the last race. So, yeah. Um, it, there was a lot of borderline stuff out there, but it was blooming entertaining. Oh, it was so good to watch, wasn't it? I don't think I've screamed at the television <laughs> at F1 with delight since, or with that sort of positive excitement since Silverstone, yes, was it 2020 when 
Hamilton's wheels were coming off and he was being chased <laughs> down by Verstappen and I was just yeah, screaming yeah. at the television like absolute like delirium and I did that today and it's just the way we spoke about it earlier <laughs> that the way that Silverstone lets and allows this kind of racing how yeah, wide yeah. it is those corners where you don't really know the linking corners where you're like oh he's ahead oh no he's not ahead he's ahead ah. yeah yeah he's and ahead just, but he's that good <laughs> is, it, is, it, is, it, is it a good thing is it bad I don't know and it's just oh it was brilliant to watch and yeah there was a bit of argy-bargy and yeah the stewards were noting some things but they raced it wasn't anything that at the end of the day affected the wider the wider Perhaps. race on the whole to some extent and it was just so good to see that kind of racing on our television after everything that has been said about the cars this season and everything that what these upgrades and everything was going to how mm. that was going to affect the cars yeah, we've seen and it. affect the we've racing now it. we've yeah. seen it okay yeah. now we've got it we haven't really i wouldn't say we've really seen that kind of racing up until this point and it's here and if we can get the tracks right because obviously <laughs> so much of that was to do with how good a track silverstone yeah. is if we have that in the future then yeah. i'm here for it because i want those feelings i want to be there properly not knowing what's going to happen next That's not key. knowing yeah. where everything's going because so often and we got so used to it and you know yeah i loved the as you know i love lewis hamilton so as am i allowed to say that as yeah, like yeah. you no, know that- when I, when lewis hamilton was dominating i was here like yeah cool we moved but was it really <laughs> did it was it giving me that heart racing that you yeah. know my heart's beating out my chest i'm standing up i'm sweating i'm screaming in my flat my flatmate's probably like what is going on <laughs> in the front room why is ellen screaming at the telly again and it, that's what I want I want more of that and I, yeah. I can't wait to see that and I hope we get the tracks that allow that I mean it's key you always want to, you, to win you always want your sports team to win but in a way the best satisfaction comes from winning or losing a, a great fight than sometimes an, an easy win uh, but yeah that we didn't know that's the key is we didn't know what was going to happen but I think Alex has made a good point which is that that Red Bull was the best car out there today we just we didn't get to see it red bull had a bit of a bit of luck i don't think the leclerc incident in the first couple of laps after the second restart start i don't think that was perez's fault i think that was leclerc being very optimistic and so he ends up losing his wing going to the back but once they had that restart i think perez knew i've got the fastest car he's probably being told you're the fastest car on track and you've got softs get stuck in you need to clear these guys so that you can chase down Signs, And I think that's why he suddenly had the bit between his teeth, especially as the leading Red Bull driver then at that point. But there's a few key things here in that battle that he got investigated for leaving the track and gaining an advantage. This wasn't just like running wide and staying on. This was cutting a corner. So Leclerc left him room into the first chicane at the end. So into Vale. And and then he cut club, which is the second from last right hander. He just cut it. And then forced Leclerc off. And then by the time they got around to Village and the loop again, he then ran Lewis Hamilton off track. So there's a precedent set now, Matt. And I've said last season, I didn't blame Verstappen. I blamed the stewards. And everyone should have been driving like Verstappen last season. They were too slow to realise it was going unpunished. But the precedent is there now. Why can't a driver go and cut a corner at Paul Ricard next week and then shove basically shove two people off? If they get a penalty, already, they just go... I'm already waiting for Alonso to do it. Yeah, yeah, because he's the one who will step up and go, well, if Perez can do it, I can do it. It's poor stewarding. Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I'm so glad you made that point, and you sound grumpy about the best <laughs> racing we've seen in ages instead of me. No, let them race, right? Let them race. But the stewards must have had that in their head as well, which is if we penalise them for that racing, we are going to look terrible. But you, you do have to enforce driving standards and track limits. 
Yeah, I mean, I think my comment was like, I think there must have been some invisible ink on the new driving rules, which is unless it's entertaining enough, in which case, okay, fine, go do whatever you <laughs> need to do. Unless it's wicked. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, a bit la- it's a bit like allowing an offside in football because the ball across was fantastic. So we don't want to ruin what was a really great pass. It is that. To, 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 it, it is it, that, and, yeah. And, and it's sport at the end of the day. And you do have to penalise these things. You know, as soon as I saw Lewis shove Leclerc off yeah. at turn one in the first start, I'm like, oh, God, he's going to get done for that. Yeah. Um, because he should have done. Um, and then we saw everybody doing it. Because yeah. well, because I'm, I'm the same. When I, I, mean, yeah. I, know, I know people don't like us talking about karting, but <laughs> you drive to what you get away with. You're the worst. And I am. I'm terrible. Well, no, I'm not terrible for it. I'm great for it because I will take a benefit if I can, if I know I'm going to get away with it. If it's borderline and I'm not going to, and I don't know if I'm going to get away with it, I won't do it. But if I'm seeing something that's mm. not being punished, it's what you do to get ahead. Yeah. So to be clear, I, I'm not blaming Perez. He had his elbows out and he's not been penalised this season in general. So I think if he had got a five-second penalty, you take your lumps and you go, all right, I went too far, I'll bring, I'll bring that back. And, and it wouldn't have been a draconian. I'm not saying get out the firing squad. I'm saying a five-second penalty. He'd have lost a place. He might not have done, but on this occasion, he'd have lost a place. That's not a big drama. Well done. Good effort. You went over the line a little bit. Five-second penalty. You're, you're third now instead of second mind that next time but actually no because Verstappen was allowed to shove Schumacher off uh, Hamilton was allowed to shove Leclerc off it was free for all he shoved Schumacher off about four times <laughs> but the mad thing is the only person who actually got penalised for all that driving was Tsunoda oh yeah, yeah that was quite because he wiped that. out his teammate he locked up going, I can't remember what corner it was, but he locked up and he spun and smacked into Gasly. I mean, to be fair, you don't give a penalty for hitting your own teammate, but whatever. I've just been like waving my hands in the air through most of that because I totally agree. I think we're at this point where it is, they're allowing it to the point where it's entertaining. Yeah. Because of what we've seen with the sport, we've had this unbelievable explosion in the sport. So many people watching it, so many people wanting that entertainment. And we kind of, I think, sometimes forget that it is a sport and it's not what we've seen a lot of you know a lot of people have come to the sport through lockdown watching drive to survive watching everything that's come from that and it is one of those oh we know we're sat and we're so detached from it as well at home Mm. when we're sat in our armchairs we're so detached from actually what's going on on the track and how dangerous and how everything else the risks that the drivers take as we've seen today when they get into the cars and I think that it's just getting to that point where there probably at some point will be a bit of a decision as, you know, we have seen a lot of the entertainment side. At we what need point to do we back. have to start enforcing? Yeah. Because you look at some of the decisions that have been made and you do think, I don't want to say it, but what is it? F1 XED is trending every week, is on Twitter. It's always mm. t- trending. And it's to the point where it's like, is it more, is it entertainment? Are we doing it for entertainment? Are we doing it for the actual racing? Like Van Jean said, we'll probably get to a point where they just say, yeah, like with the offside rule, you can't just allow that because yeah. it's a lovely or, or ball in go, from the wing. Yeah, or they they've go WWE, say, yeah. They've Sorry, just got to say, oh, I hope they don't go WWE style. That would be mm. insanity after what we've seen today. But yeah. you've got to think they will sort of crack down. We've had that. Let's go keep that, you know, keep the attention on the sport. One of the main things that the sport wanted over the next couple of years in the plan was to draw the audience, make it bigger give that, make people watch it, make people watch it more regularly, not just the one-off watchers for Silverstone. 
give that get that captive audience when they've got that then let's say right let's go back to business. i see what you're saying oh, yes so right okay so let some stuff fly whilst we get them into the gates and then yeah we'll, okay and, I then, mean, t- and then we'll then we'll go back to business. i don't think you're right i think that has been their attitude uh, at various times i think you saw that throughout last year but I, like i said again i'm not saying that they should be you know attached to two carriages that go off in opposite directions even if there's no punishment you should just at least acknowledge it so at least with the verstappen um Schumacher one just go uh, that was over the, the line Max like they do in rugby you know, you know that was over the line do that come to the next race with that attitude and you'll get a penalty that's why they've got the new that's why they're noting things now isn't yeah. it rather oh, than maybe. immediately penalizing they're noting well, yeah. potentially why they're noting and you get the little thing pop up that says incident noted <laughs> but we might not proceed with that all right all right let's uh, turn our focus then to Max Verstappen so he came up uh, was uh, driving uh, well uh, did okay in qualifying I think unlucky actually in qualifying to not get pole position had to slow down for for a flag but they're scary the scary Red Bull they've got a great machine uh, for now until the technical (laughs) directives kick in they've got a great machine they've got a driver who is just nailing it straight out of the box instantly takes the lead um, and then put enough pressure on signs once they've restarted to go and take the lead again Alex bad luck aside this this race it's still a very scary outfit really really pains me yeah no, no i know how how good red bull are doing <laughs> and how brilliantly max is driving you know the two mistakes he made this weekend were running wide and the 360 spin in qualifying other than that he was absolutely dominant in qualifying and it was only because Charles leclerc had a spin that brought the yellows out that stopped max from from beating signs. I mean, the, the 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 laps that Leclerc and Max were on were so good, Sainz was surprised he got pole. So, you know, it's... Yeah, yeah I, I don't want to sit here and praise Max, but I haven't got a choice. <laughs> the, 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 guy, the guy has been driving so brilliantly and hasn't made a mistake. And, and before Carlos oh. went off, I went... And before, and before Carlos went off, I was saying in, our, in one of our WhatsApp chats... All Max has to do is keep calm and apply pressure. He hasn't got to do anything stupid. He hasn't got to do anything crazy. He's ahead of Leclerc. He's faster and just apply pressure. And then along comes Brooklyn's and science decides to um, run off the track. At least it wasn't iRacing. Otherwise, it's got like a three-second slowdown. So. Okay. It's a very niche reference, Van Jean. I can, I'm going to disagree, but not with any real heart here. I'm going to offer up how he might have contributed to his demise i will say in those opening laps he was kicking up a lot of dirt uh, he was going he was very aggressive um on curbs if, if you if you're going to sit back and, and watch it again um i'm not wrong about that matt he was he was you know he was running wide in the wheel to wheels he was you know getting aggressive and i've seen a suggestion online that with all these this talk of the the floors they're running and the flexible floors and they said the issue he was having wasn't bodywork damage in the end. It was something to do with the floor, is what they said. Whatever weird flexy thing they're doing with the plank, did he break it by going over curbs and running off today? Well, I don't know if he broke the plank, but yes. you were making a point that I absolutely did want to make. Good. Everyone thinks he lost the race because he had a puncture. Yeah. But the didn't. fact yeah. of the matter is, is after that, Red Bull told him the problem was bodywork and the problem was a loss of downforce on the rear. And we know that because they took some of the front wing out when he came back in to try and better balance the car. 
To which he basically said, well, now I have just no grip at all at either end of the car. Despite that, you know, he, he gave us some pretty good midfield battles. But yeah, something on that car broke. And it, and it wasn't related to the puncture that he had, as far as I could tell. So I think running it over the curbs, running it into the gravel, he broke off some important bit of the car. And, and it cost him. And that's a potential weak spot for Red Bull in the future. Ooh, okay. And look, we're still very much in conspiracy theories here as well, because I think, you know, a lot is going to come out about what Ferrari and Red Bull have done with their 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 flexible floor. And we'll get into that, I think, midweek, Matt. But yeah, if something did drop off, I mean, that shows that they, they I think they are on the limit with the experiments. They've been doing it with the DRS and the flappy wing, and they keep having these FP1, or they were having the FP1 problems with a very aggressively oscillating rear wing so you know maybe they are on on the limit of performance with verstappen's car oh i think they're on the limit of performance in several areas to try and stay ahead of ferrari and because things don't go wrong people don't understand how close how tiny that margin is until they see something like today i mean another couple of races like this yeah and where's where's your championship lead and that's this, my this, this is what like what ellen was saying we basically we don't know a lot of the time race to race yes we had a bit of a purple patch for ferrari then we've had a purple patch for for red bull and i think going back into the european season on proper racetracks a technical directive or two I, I still think we don't know where this season is going still probably red bulls to to lose at this point and verstappen's to lose at this point but yeah Really exciting to see him fighting. Just to have a little bit of bad luck has been nice because he had it pretty much his own way. So he had a bit of bad luck and some other cars, you know, got into the mix and started fighting. That's the swings and roundabouts in Formula One. But I did love seeing how he fought just as hard for seventh as he was fighting for first and second. So that, you know, big compliment to Verstappen. Oh, Mercedes. All right. Could Mercedes have won this race yes today at van jean (laughs) (laughs) um oh my god lewis is on fire today um i'm very very sorry to the people who don't like us talking um superlatives about hamilton i've got some criticisms for hamilton to counter it so you go ahead and uh and do your thing um so he uh, disappointed with that first start because that first start he got good third place so good it was a really really good launch and then he got a rubbish launch in the second race and went dropped down behind lando norris um but by the time the race had stretched itself out and just before the safety car came out he was on much younger hard tires and he was catching um it was leclerc at that point um by between half a second and seven tenths of a second Per lap. No, I think it was signs. It was signs at that point, and Leclerc was okay. out, out of front. Yeah, one of the one of the red cars. Um, <laughs> he was he was closing them both down at a serious rate of knots. And I think with the big tire delta, without that safety car, I think he'd have been Ooh. right on the back of I... Charles Leclerc. And I think there would have been a really really nice big battle for the last five it... or six laps between Charlie and Lewis. It was nice to see him charging. But Matt, I'm not convinced. I think Leclerc, Leclerc had enough. I honestly think, looking at the lap times, Leclerc had enough to to hold a a six second lead. He was certainly catching signs. But Alex is right that that Mercedes was charging. It's annoying to have to agree with Van Jean, who is correct for all the wrong reasons. Oh, okay. Lewis could have won the race had we not had that incident in turn one because he was P three. 
with only signs and Verstappen in front of him at the beginning of the race. So I absolutely think the Mercedes did have race winning pace. But I think at the point we're talking about, he was six seconds back of Leclerc. Yeah. And I, I he was closing on signs, but signs also was in fuel saving mode because they were saving fuel so that he could defend against Hamilton when Hamilton finally got to him. So I, I'm not as convinced at that point he could win the race. I wanted, that? I wanted to see it play out from the from before the the joke crash because yeah yes verstappen looked amazing he'd taken that link that risk on the soft tire vettel on the soft tire with heavy fuel only lasted eight laps and we know that the red bull is better at getting those tires up to temperature certainly it was this weekend whereas mercedes were having the opposite problem it's quite possible that verstappen's tires just you know don't hang on and and mercedes just consistent medium tire running which hamilton had might have seen them well um alex I think on an alternate strategy with Max ahead of Science and not being challenged, I think he would have just disappeared off into the distance. I I think with a clear run, with a dry track and whatever strategy he wanted to try today, I think Max would have won. So I actually think the second start was better for Lewis and I do think he had the he had I did because especially because of the tire advantage. The tire advantage was quite big mm. and they all dropped off quite a lot. Uh, on those mediums and as we uh, on the mediums in the first stint and we all saw what Lewis could do with, the, with those tyres then. But also, I think in that safety car period at the very last one, I still feel like Hamilton could have have won that. So he was saying, are you sure we're on the right tyres? I think if they'd have gone onto the hard tyre, sorry, if they stayed on the higher tyre, he's in the same situation as Leclerc and is, is in danger from behind. They go to the medium tyre, surely he's got this, the same warm-up issues uh, just exacerbated. So he couldn't get those tyres switched on. And if you look throughout practice and qualifying, they were having to do double warm-up laps. Or certainly Lewis was having to do double warm-up laps as well. So he gets he gets you know swamped by, by Perez. But then I just think in every situation, he was still racing like a world champion with a big championship lead, staying out of trouble instead of trying to do the scrappy midfielder thing. He had several chances where he could have held his ground and said, look, I'm here. If you want to come hit me, hit me. But he backed out. He backed out. He made the sensible choice, which, is, you know, you could argue that's why he's on the podium today and not in a twisted carbon fiber uh, wreck with Perez. But that he was not the elbows out kid from 2007 Alex the only thing that disappointed me from Lewis's battling today was when he left the door wide open for Perez to dive straight down the inside of him into turn three the village yeah um that was that was the one that I was like oh, Lewis don't do that because that's what ended up getting him forced off the circuit and then he lost out to Leclerc as well. Yeah, so in Hamilton's defense there cuz yeah, it did look like oh he just he left a big gap, but I think Hamilton went wide was braking later thinking I can hold this around the outside, which he did, but then he had to open up the steering cuz Perez just went nope and just verstappened him well, or Hamilton it Hamilton in him if you like. Ellen I would love to see so many alternative versions, alternative oh, universes. If someone good? could play yeah. it Marvel. well, I would sit there for hours. I would sit there for the same duration times how many other alternate <laughs> However many versions you want to give me. Because I think it would be so much different. I think it would be really different if Ferrari had actually implemented the drop back 10 car lengths as well. I think that could have changed things up. I think that would have made life a lot easier for Hamilton for getting through because he would have been able to move move around the cars a lot easier. Just the way he was fighting 
was exactly what we want to see so much and he's admitted it the team have admitted it so much about Lewis and his racing is mental and it's getting into that mentality we see it that's why he goes out and does so much outside of F1 that keeps him distracted keeps him active in the mind and seeing him racing like that on his home turf in Silverstone with all the fans behind him everyone screaming whenever he made any move (laughs) that was I undoubtedly one of the main reasons why he did so well today and if he can get into that mindset again and again and again with this improving Mercedes then we could see a podium every week why shouldn't we you know even if even if Verstappen is up there, even if Verstappen is in a great car, why can't we see Hamilton? If he can pull out that performance, if he can get those gains, I think a lot of them will be mental. Obviously, he knows the track so, so well as well. That will really help the situation and will have helped his driving today. But that's no different. You know, he's raced all these other tracks 101 times, even if it is where he grew up and where he first started racing. I just think that is what we want to see. And I think it is I saw. I think we saw a glimmer today of what we will see for the next couple of weeks and hopefully the rest of the season. Not being, not be showing any bias at all there, Ellen. Well done, you did very well. Uh, but the, the core pace is there, isn't it? The core pace, and that's what we've been looking for. Looking at the timesheets all throughout that race, he he was in it. He was in it. Absolutely, I think. I, I don't I don't think anyone can expect me to hide being a Brit who has grown up watching F1, who's been to Silverstone, wanting to see a Brit do well. If it was Lando in a similar position, if it was George in a similar position, you know, I'd want to support them as well. I just think with everything that Lewis has gone through and that hardship, I think even if you are looking at it from not being particularly that crazy stan about <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, you yeah. would still look and say today was a brilliant performance. It was. And we want to see more of that because why wouldn't we want to see the drivers performing to the best of their ability? Well, it's very irregular. It, it does fly in the face of Miss Apex's famous neutrality, but we'll, we'll let it slide as the modern world is changing. That's why we bring the young ones on uh, to shake things up a bit. Matt? <laughs> I just wanted to say in a car that seems kind of on pace remarkably we're at actual race circuits and suddenly the Mercedes, as you pointed out earlier in the show spanners is looking like it may be more competitive. And that would be Verstappen in a super good car that they've already admitted. They're probably going to have to change a bit in order to meet the updated technical regulations that we will probably talk about some other time than this. Yeah. uh, Some conspiracy theories flying around, but look, I, I, you know, just, bounce up and down on a pogo stick so you know what it's going to feel like to be in a Ferrari or, or a Red Bull after these technical regulations come through. No, I'm sure I'm sure they're doing everything above board, allegedly. Um, let's uh, go to a few other highlights throughout the race weekend. I suppose we can't not talk about uh, Latifi. Who's got an opinion on Latifi? No, oh Alex, he did. Alex, well, you, I have, I, I have opinions. You on grump. Latifi. It's, not, he, it's got, it's got nothing to do with his qualifying performance. He smashed it. You, you can eat your words, right? He qualified into P two, left Albon for dust, and then into the top ten. Then overtook Russell at the start as well. So you can, you can just. It, it, if it didn't sound so poor on audio, I'd do a very slow clap. Oh, okay. Go. You're not, not impressed, then, Alex. He he did what his teammates have been doing with that car for the last however many years, and he's done it once in a mix session where lots of chaos was going on, mm. and it was about being on the track at the right time. Okay, well done, the TV. You did it once. Now go do it on a dry circuit like your last teammate used to, and get the kind of positions that Alex has been doing this year. 
<laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to give him props for a spike, not a trend. That spike, not a trend. You're absolutely right, Alex. And um, yeah, so just in case anybody might not quite know why perhaps he got into Q3, basically it was one of those sessions where every lap drivers were improving. So pretty much every driver that crossed the line was taking a big jump up and then people who crossed the line behind them would then overtake. And, and, and as it was getting drier and drier, the times obviously were getting uh, um, lower and lower. And then the rain came down, which stopped all that process and stopped people improving. Yes, Matt, that's what happened in Q2. Uh, well, actually in Q2, I think he mainly made it through because, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. You're right. You're 100% right. right then. But specifically, uh, we have Ocon with no battery. And I think he was a top 10 winner in that Q2. And that was the 10th spot that Latifi took. So that's all I was going to add to your analysis. Oh, my goodness. Jose in the chat, absolutely savage. Uh, Latifi beat Ricardo today. And people are saying, just leave Ricardo alone. Let's, let's not. Let's just uh, leave Ricardo alone. But Latifi has finally overtaken Hulkenberg in the standings. Yeah, that's right. Well, the thing is, when yeah. when you have a likable driver that people like uh, that isn't performing, and Latifi has not been performing and hasn't been doing well, uh, the bar gets set very low, doesn't it, for any kind of achievement? So, for a Latifi fan like me, that it will come as a relief. Chris Stevens was very happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it will come as a relief to see those good performance. But, but, but I think you're right, Alex. You know, obviously, um, that is a spike. We had oh a couple of um, oh a couple of halo incidents. Do you, do you can you remember back to when people go, oh the halo? It's it's shocking. It's um it's political health and safety gone mad, Ellen. Yeah, but why are we still having people on Twitter and popping up in forums going, wow, Halo actually worked? Like, yeah, of no, no insert swear word here. <laughs> We've had so much evidence of it. Why are we still sat here being like, whoa, it actually worked? What, I don't, that is what I can't understand. I can't understand why we're in the position where people are still going, oh my gosh, it's such a surprise. It worked. Or, oh, it's there now. Yeah. Sort of move okay. on from it. It worked. Um, did you see Nisani in, uh, in F2? F2. Oh my goodness. I mean, we don't normally comment on F2 stuff. It's ban. just the, Yeah, it should definitely be it should definitely be oh. a race ban. Because he basically he went off at, at Stowe, just decided to to come all the way back on track in front of um, another car who obviously then had a bit more pace and went inside. He then squeezed that car onto the inside of Vale, who ended up launching off of the sausage curb at Vale and landing on top of Nisani's car. And without the halo, I think that would have been uh, pretty, pretty guillotine-ish as he, as he went through. So, yeah, case for the halo, of course, um, I think being more and more and more, more and more proved. Not that it needed much proving. Uh, where else are we going to go before we go to the podium? Is it a good idea? And I can take a range of opinions on this. Is it a good idea to sit on an active racetrack, Alex? I wanted to call these people words that I you won't let you me use, use on this, those the, words. You, you are, the, but they have things on their heads protruding away. Um, I mean, turnips. If you don't live in this country, you haven't had to deal with these people causing traffic and causing riots across the country and not being able to move them. But to go and sit on the hangar straight yeah. at the start of a Grand Prix is the dumbest thing you can do especially when f1 is trying to push to improve the things that they are fighting against um i'm not even going to say their name of what they are no. because they don't deserve the publicity um 
But it was scary. It was stupid. We've seen one odd person on the track before, and it's scary. But this was four or five people sat on the circuit yeah. at the fastest point. It, they, I'm glad they got dragged off the circuit, um, and the local authorities dealt with them. So it's um, to me, it's more than it's more than dumb. Uh, they could be so stupid that they don't realise that you can cause serious like you're going to get killed if an f1 car hits you on that straight and then you're putting the the lives of the driver at risk the marshals at risk and potentially anybody in the crowd so that's pretty close i'm not a legal expert but that's pretty close to like attempted manslaughter um and i i hope there's absolutely that you know there's no leeway given on that that is not to say that people shouldn't have the right to protest they absolutely should but this was this was absolutely it was beyond absurd it was dangerous and it was irresponsible. We're kind of just lucky that the red flag had happened at that yeah. point because a lot of people didn't actually realise and all these pictures are coming up on social media and they were from sources that I would trust. And I'm looking at these pictures and I'm thinking, how is this happening? Because these just look like marshals. And part of what I saw was some how they got in was wearing those kinds of colours yeah. and getting in. But how? What I can't even begin to comprehend what would go through someone's mind to do that not knowing that there was a red flag the red flag happened thank god for that obviously not thank god for the circumstances that happened in although everyone was safe if that wouldn't have happened what is going through what is going through your mind because yeah there's sitting on there's gluing yourself to the m25 like alex mentioned we've seen these kinds of groups do and yeah you should absolutely have the right to protest but why are we trying to follow in the footsteps of suffragettes back in you know, the early, night, what, 1500? What, no, no, I'm trying to say. History's 90, hard, Ellen. Early, yeah, I know, I didn't do history. Worst anyway, feminist ever. Um, so why, why are we Mary Poppin times. Mary Poppin times. Trying to say the early 18th, 19th, 20th century. Let's go for that. Why are we Why are we doing that? I don't understand. That's not the best way to put your point across. And Spanners, you mentioned it earlier. When we're talking about mm. how you were talking about the height of the fences. Mm. You're just making, if you're going on that, you're ruining it for everyone else for the future as well, because next year you guarantee security is going to be higher. Double everyone fences, yeah. Preach, everyone preaches about how accessible Silverstone is and how close you can get to the track and how close you can get to the drivers. You're just not thinking about anyone who's actually there to enjoy the racing. I just, uh, I wash my hands of it. <laughs> Matt, anything else in our, any other business category before we go to the podium? Um, no, I think real quick, we could throw in, if you're a Ricardo fan, the reason he lost out was the hard tire. And if you're an Ocon fan, which I know there are billions around the world, it was a fuel pump that <laughs> ended his run and let Carlos yeah. Sainz win the race. So I'm sure Carlos will be buying him an Estrella or two. Galicia. I think 50% of those circuit. fans are in here. <laughs> yeah, that might be true. Might be true. Okay, brilliant. Thanks for that, Matt. Let's move on to the podium. Well, trying to be super positive about one of the best Grand Prix we've seen for a long, long time. Um, and yes, I do accept that I ended up doing quite a quite an amount of old man whinging throughout the last hour and 11 minutes. But uh, I think, you know, overall, I don't want to take away from the fact that I really, really enjoyed that race. The first thing I tweeted after the race was finished was... That was fun. And sometimes we forget with all the internet arguments, all the the interviews, all the data analysis that watching sport and Formula One and participating in motorsport is supposed to be fun. And today was very, very fun.
All right. Let's go to our awards then. We do a good thing award and then we do a bad thing award where we know full well we're judging people from our armchairs and our sheds, but we let ourselves do it anyway. Uh, and then we shuffle off and have a, a pina colada is what I believe has been offered to have, uh, to have waiting for me as I enter from the shed into the house. So let's start with the good thing award. It's the good, good thing of the weekend. Let's go for Vangine. What was your thing? Can I have two? Mm, yeah, fine. No, because right. then the rest oh, of us, point. you can only have two if you're the last person. Yeah. Then you can no, have I'm, having, I'm having two. I'm having two. No, 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 no. So, you, if you want to, you, you've oh, got to wait until I go first. Oh, he's Carlos signing it, everybody. He's Carlos signing it. We, 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 okay. me, me and Matt go first if you get two. Okay, Ellen. I'll, ta- I'll take one okay, and then okay, we'll I'll go at the end. Wow. So um, I'm, I'm going full ham fosi. Okay. My boy. My boy, he was on fire all weekend, drove brilliantly, um, should have won today. I really, really believe he should have done. And um, yeah, so my thing of the weekend was Lewis Hamilton just absolutely smashing it. Okay, fantastic. Let's hope that one of the other two or me steal your other thing of the weekend. Ellen Ellard from, hang on, let's do your social media. Forgot about Alex's. Uh, lots of underscores. <laughs> so here, but it's generally if you search Ellen Ellard, you're like the oh, most... Should come up. You're the most famous Ellen Ellard. So search Ooh, for that. I don't that. know about that. Might yeah. be. Uh, on social media, on Twitter, um, you do some TikToks and also on Instagram, Instagram as well. Yeah. Uh, what was your thing of the weekend? Oh, and by the way, all the links to everyone's social media is in the show notes below. Ellen. My thing of the weekend is everyone getting out safely after that first lap, Boring. first incident. No, and also the fact that George stopped his car when the people when the when everyone came over to him to check that he was okay he was pointing and saying no go over go over to joe go over there you need to get over there and then he got out and went over there i i you know what so be it if that's sitting on whatever fence you want to put me on but genuinely the responsibility from george to say actually do you know what you need to get over there and pointing and running over and helping alex as well and the fact that everyone got out of that safely he was in an incident and he saw a car fly up yeah. in front of him that he'd been involved with Caused. and then saw it and then saw it go over the fence and i had and it was going to be my second thing of the weekend was george getting out of the car to go yeah. check on his mate. obviously i was being a bit churlish there but um pete was going well maybe he was thinking you know what have i had done and even if not knowing yeah. exactly how responsible for it he knew he wasn't not responsible he was involved yeah potentially yeah. uh matt what was your thing of the weekend well i was going to go in the same general direction that alan ever intelligent clever and perspicacious analyst that she is <laughs> right but be a little bit more specific in that i'm going to go for the halo although the catch fence is a close second the halo probably saved at least two lives this weekend. And even the people who hated it when it came on have had to agree that the FIA got this one absolutely right. My only reasoning for not going for Halo was the fact that I don't think that should even be a conversation that we're having anymore. I just think people need to stop being either so surprised that it worked or even arguing about the fact that it should be there in the first place because I think we've had so much evidence up until this point that, yeah, just sit down. Sit, sit down, okay. Sit down. Uh, Alex, have you got another one? Go on, you can have another one before I get in. No, no, no. My other one was was the George thing, and I, and I've just learned a new word from Matt: perspicacious. I mean, having a ready insight into an understanding of things. I am going to give my thing of the weekend. Ah, 
I, I'm almost reluctant to give it to, to Verstappen, but I am going to because he didn't really get his head down. After, after he did a little bit and he was talking through the problems, but once he knew the reality of his situation, he thought it was hard for 7th, 8th and ninth. If you looked at all those battles, even before the safety car, when it looked like he was going to drop out of the points, actually, he was, he was still fighting away. So, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if every driver does that from, from a championship leading position. What, what's he going to do? Retire the car? Some people Go do. Back. Some drivers no. do do that. They get their heads down and they drift away. Well, <laughs> I, I, I can't see him doing that. I just think he did the job that he had to do. I think he just got it done. All right. Let's go to the negative award. Oh, no. Oh, no. You missed the apex. All right. This is where we judge people from our sheds and sofas. All right. Uh, Matt, who missed the apex for you? Well, it certainly wasn't Haas with their double point. And I'm I'm sort of hard-pressed here because Latifi did overtake Hulkenberg finally in the standings. But I might have to say it's kind of going to be on Williams a little bit because they completely messed up Albon's Q1 qualifying. And I really wanted to see how their update did in the race. And because of that, we didn't get to find out. Yes, it certainly wasn't. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a rain update, was it? Well, it, it, they they messed up his Q one qualifying by telling him to slow down and cool his tires, and then they were too cold for the last lap to get out of Q one. So he never really got a last lap that other people who kept on pushing did. Fair enough. All right, let's go around the table. Van Jean, who missed the apex for you? Mercedes pit crew. What was it? A 4.3 second pit stop? Tra- oh, tragic. For Lewis. They haven't done a decent pit stop, it seems, all blooming season. And this isn't new. They've been rubbish at pit stop, but they were just much quicker when they were rubbish at pit stops and they could afford to be a little bit more laboring on their stops. But it's getting ridiculous now. They brought, they ended up bringing Lewis out way behind um, where he would have been against the Ferraris, bearing in mind the warm-up issues with the hard tyre. And, yeah, it's just it, it's just not good enough from what is supposed to be the best team on the grid. What it does is it reduces their options, I think, when it comes to, you know, when the Ferraris were, like, straddling his pit window, basically. Because it's a little bit shorter, isn't it, um, at Silverstone? I kept thinking 20 seconds. Is it a little bit shorter at Silverstone? 19 seconds. Oh, OK, yeah. So, in my head, I was thinking it's not a guarantee that they would be able to get out and do that ultimate stop because as as good as a four second pit stop is, it's not up there with the likes of what Red Bull do consistently uh, or Williams do consistently. Uh, I don't know if it's the worst on the, the grid, but those kind of long stops happen enough to maybe mess with their strategy in a way it wouldn't have done in 2014, 2015. Uh, Ellen, who missed the apex for you? I'm going to have to go with Ferrari's strategy team once again. Yeah, some low-hanging do fruit. I, do I, yeah, it's low-hanging <laughs> fruit. I know it is, but I was, I, I'm, I, it's really tricky because genuinely the racing and the whole atmosphere environment was so good this weekend that it's hard to pick a bad thing out of everything yeah. that and avoiding what has already been picked. I'd probably say uh, Ferrari's strategy team and the whole waggling of the finger from <laughs> Bonotto. Although that's going to create some great memes later. So I'm all for the memes, but not for, I feel sorry for the PR team because that's going to take some cleaning up. 
Okay, and I guess that just leaves me for my missed apex award. I'm going to give it to the stewarding. But it's only a mini missed apex award. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'll reiterate. You know, it doesn't have to be race bans, but you've got to at least acknowledge the thing that driver A did is not allowed within the rules. They have a warning or a five second extension to the pit stop or a five second penalty. Something, just a small thing, to at least let us know that sporting things are being enforced in a sporting way and not ad hoc depending on who the race director is or because they don't want to to ruin a race situation. I think 2021 has has slayed us, has killed us for that, um, doing things for the show. I hope that wasn't the intention, but I wonder if there was fear, a fear of ruining the show. But every sport has rules that are enforced and I would have liked to have seen Lewis, Verstappen and particularly Perez today get at least a slap on the wrist and at least an acknowledgement that what they did wasn't uh, correct um thank you for listening to our race review go and follow matt two rumpets at matt pt 55 he, he's the one who puts all the links in the the show notes below follow alex van jean um at alex van jean v-a-n-g-e-e-n and follow him on twitter and ellen ellard we said follow her literally everywhere on social media all the links will be in the show notes below follow me at spanners ready be my friend Richard Reddy on Facebook and do consider supporting us as well. If you've gotten this far into the podcast, maybe you're enjoying it. So check us out at patreon.com forward slash missed apex to see what benefit there might be in being a patron. Mostly it's keeping an independent podcast alive and kicking in the kind of top 100, top 200 of the iTunes sports charts um, in the UK and the US. Thank you for your support. I hope you enjoyed the show, but wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind and have fun. This was Miss Apex Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu dot com code GLOW.